Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Hypersonic 55 here, and before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give you a little bit of info beforehand. Now, as you can tell by the title, this is ranking the Spider-Man movies. But what you didn't know is that this episode was recorded back at the tail end of 2021. Me and my co-host for this episode, Ross, we'd both seen Spider-Man No Way Home and thought it would be cool to rank the then nine theatrically released Spider-Man movies. And the original plan was to have it recorded just before the end of 2021 and have the episode out by at least maybe mid-January at the latest. But time got away from me, work got difficult, and everything just sort of shifted around. And I kept saying I'd come back to it and hopefully release it around the time that Spider-Man No Way Home dropped on streaming and then, you know, became available physically. But again, time just didn't happen. It wasn't on my side. So, yeah, just <laughs> here we are in 2023, just on the cusp of the release of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And I was thinking, OK, I don't think I'm going to get another good opportunity to release this surrounding some new Spider-Man content. So, yeah. Here we have part one of our discussion of the Spider-Man theatrical releases in ranked form. So hopefully you enjoy the episode. Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 164, Ranking the Spider-Man Films part one. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join us once again for some film-related discussion. And here is an episode, ladies and gentlemen, that I've wanted to do for a good while. Talk about them Spider-Man movies. But we're not going to be talking about one, or two, or three. Heavens no. We're going to be talking about nine. All nine of the theatrical Spider-Man films that have been showing up on our screens since 2002. But I am not alone. Joining me is returning guest and beautiful fellow and human being, Ross. Hello, good to be back. Yeah, it's nice. I feel like I should be uh, emerging through a portal or something, but shh. <laughs> yeah, well, none of us have any cool like sling rings or like there's no dimension chaos going on for us no, right no, now. No. I am wearing a topical t-shirt, but I won't reveal the subject of that just yet. At the risk of spoiling our lists, <laughs> it's a good T-shirt, ladies and gentlemen. Just so you know, shout mine, out to Redbubble. <laughs> yeah, I need to get more stuff. To be fair, like I've got my uh, Spider-Man T-shirt hanging on my what do you call that thing? It's a chair. There, yeah, that thing. <laughs> chair. Yes. <laughs> oh man, I forget words on occasion, but yeah, I was just like, you know what? Since my house tends to get pretty warm, I didn't want to like sweat through my shirt, so that's why it's just stuff. there in spirit. <laughs> But yeah, as I've said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about the nine Spider-Man films that are in existence right now and rank them. Now, obviously, Spider-Man means a lot to different people. And depending on what age you were when you came to a certain interpretation of that Spider-Man, your ranking will vary. So if please No Way do- Home taught us anything, it's that nostalgia is a powerful force. <laughs> yes, nostalgia is powerful. So I just want to say this up top. Don't come attacking us. Don't come knocking at our front doors. 
trying to cut us down because our list does not compute with where you think these films should rank. This is a safe space. Yeah technically i think but yeah <laughs> it's a safe digital space we're doing this over skype but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah no this is just simple fun casual discussions about like where we feel the spider-man films will rank and the tricky thing is i've thought about this a few times and the list has fluctuated a few times mm. over the past couple years especially so while this list is definitive now that might be subject to change in six months to a year i mean i feel like You've seen No Way Home, what, two or three times now? Um, only twice. Twice. Well, I've, I've just seen it the once, and, you know, <laughs> a, a sort of the, the buzz from that first viewing definitely probably plays a part in my enjoyment, um, to say the least. Um, how well it'll hold up on a rewatch? Not sure. I imagine pretty well. But, you know, this is where we're at at the present time. Yeah. So. As your lovely host, uh, Kurt said, ladies and gents, uh, don't attack us for it. I know that's what Spider-Man Twitter does, but for some reason, but just be be nice, be nice. Spider-Man's a wholesome working class superhero, so you know, be be friendly as as he is friendly. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, I guess we should get started. So, Ooh. at number nine on my list. A potential surprising entry or maybe it isn't who knows <laughs> no, no i'm kidding mm. this is amazing spider-man 2 <laughs> that's not surprising the slightest unless you're insane <laughs> oh gosh i didn't say surprising <laughs> because the interesting thing is since the those movies the, have had a bit of a resurgence uh, yeah i will say i i re-watched them the andrew garfield amazing spider-man duology in the build-up to no way home just because it had been a while and i wanted to give them a fair shot but yeah they'll put a pin in my thoughts but you go first <laughs> yeah so the reason this film is at the bottom is because i find on a few occasions that i watch films where there is so much potential but mm. you can see it being squandered whether it be to do with the story characters or presentation or all of the above and I think the reason this film ranks at the lowest for me is because I can see the pockets of greatness in this film. Straight from the yeah. outset, there was like really good elements when it comes to the betrayal of Peter. Stuff going on with Gwen, the sort of heroic status of Spider-Man, his struggle. I like some of the visuals. Some of the action sequences are pretty damn cool. And some of the music from Hans Zimmer is actually pretty sick as well. How ever <laughs> this film is a big old mess and it's crazy that sony in all their infinite wisdom didn't see what they did in spider-man 3 and didn't think to course correct they thought oh you know what we're gonna double down on the ideas of having several plot lines in one film several plot lines and several villains which which can work as we've seen recently but uh i think in uh when did it come out? 2014? Yeah, 2014, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 2014, they, they hadn't quite got that down yet, to, to put it charitably. <laughs> yeah, it's a balancing act that just doesn't come together very well. No. There's plot points you're taking from the previous Spider-Man film and inserting it into this, but you also have a myriad of other things that are handled, which some of it's like, you know, a little bit more uh, pronounced than others. But yeah. it's just the fact that you can just see a lot of conflict in this film and it's just like no 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 just streamline it 
just try to take it in like one or two different directions. It, it, Don't it try literally to feels to me like they tried to pack a season of TV into a two-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, and the crazy thing is there was still a lot of from that film that was cut. I mean, I I dare not to think of what this film Shining was. Shining Woodley like. was supposed yeah. to be MJ in it. Was, like, what the fuck? And the crazy like, thing like, is... Not, not shitting on that as a concept. I think no, Shining no, no. Woodley as MJ could have been very good. Yeah, but, it's... Like, my God. Yeah, I know, because I remember seeing the principal photography and set pictures and everything, and I'm like, oh, okay, this seems like a bit much, but I was curious to see how she was going to fit into the movie. But then it's like, oh, no, the film has too much. We actually have to cut her. I'm like, oh, God. So if they were cutting her whole storyline out of this, how much other stuff did you want to put in this that wasn't that didn't make the final cut? I'm like, well, yeah, cl clearly they were trying to because this was 2014. This was like peak mcu time as well yeah and which you know 2014 and maybe maybe the best year for the mcu we got the first guardians of the galaxy and captain america winter soldier in the same year banging year for the marvel cinematic universe um, i was the happiest but, boy <laughs> me, me too um but not when i saw amazing spider-man 2 though no. um, but, but it's um but yeah clearly like at that point everyone and their mum wanted to do a cinematic universe and just build to something and the amazing spider-man 2 it's yeah like they were trying to set up the sinister six and as well as sort of continuing their own trilogy that never became a full trilogy, although people are campaigning for that now um, yeah, for yeah. reasons we'll get to. Um, but Indeed. yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I have more things to add, but do you have anything to wrap up on Amazing Spider-Man 2 first? <laughs> uh, no, I think was it just some of the characterization bothered me. Right. Um, Paul Giamatti, I like him as an actor, but what the hell is he doing as that whole weird... And why is that little boy... Arnold Schwarzenegger passing And why is that little boy trying to stand up to Rhino? I'm like, where is your parent? parents? Take him out the damn street. Police people do something. They let him... Let's let this child face down a mech suit. This will go well. That only oh. goes down well in anime. Like, like that. Don't, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. There's just a myriad of like just little things like that, character-wise, or like the way it was written. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. This just doesn't work for me, baby. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna dog on that film forever because you know that's that's my job now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I guess we'll move on to number eight. Ross, if you'd like to take number eight and we'll see if our number eights are the same or different. Number eight. I haven't said my number nine yet. <laughs> oh, 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 my gosh. OK, so now. Oh, this is interesting. OK. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, well, my number nine is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Also, it's <laughs> as I'm sure is probably not surprising. Like, like, look, like I said, I did rewatch the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man duology in the build-up to No Way Home because it had been a while. I knew those movies had their fans and had a bit of a resurgence, and I wanted to give them a fair shot because, you know, I remembered not really being much of a fan of either of them, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I'm still not. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, Amazing Spider-Man 2, I used to viciously hate that movie, like, really just blood-boiling rage with it. Um, yeah. Not so much now, like, I don't know, maybe now that we live in a post-COVID hellscape, I just don't have the energy to hate things that aren't pandemics or our government, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's just, 
I mean, it, it's a bad movie by most reasonable measures, and you've gone over a number of very valid reasons why. Um, I guess I don't have loads to add, but it is just... I mean, obviously, most of the reason it ended up such a mess is studio meddling on Sony's part. But there are just some creative choices in there, too, that are just... What? Like, like you know, it's... Uh, and, and I mean... Because, like, okay, introducing Harry Osborn, fine, but... Like, how are we supposed to buy that he's Peter's childhood best friend when he was never even mentioned in the previous film? Yeah. And like we said, the film's just juggling too much. It was trying to set up the Sinister Six, integrate the hunt for Peter's hunt for the truth about his parents, this weird spotlight on Aunt May's nursing job. And like a movie about Peter graduating from high school, preparing for college and battling Electro while debating whether a future with Gwen was possible that would have been plenty. That would have been a pretty solid movie, you know? But I like that alternative reality. Can we go there? Yeah, maybe we won't have uh, we won't have COVID in that reality too. That would be nice. Um, but but, but um but no, it's just like okay, I will give credit where it's due. I will be nice briefly. The film is quite visually pleasing when it wants to be. Um mm-hmm. just you know, the colour grade is quite nice. Lots of vibrant reds and blues and whatnot, um, as you'd expect from something Spider-Man related. Um, and weirdly, I think it has the best Spider-Man suit we've seen in live action so far. Like, of all the issues with the movie, the, the Spidey suit is well, chef's kiss, top tier. Quality I would design. mostly agree, although I am one of those guys that wish his eyes were just a tiny bit smaller. Just a smidge. Ah, I know. I like. I like the big eyes. Sue me. But um, it's 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 like with. I know. I I just I quite like just very pronounced features on superhero costumes. It's like most of my favorite uh Batman costumes are the ones with the more big and pronounced ears. So like in Batman Beyond, the Arkham games, Justice League Unlimited, those are kind of my favorite bat suits. But I digress. Um, yeah. I don't know. Is there much to add about Amazing Spider-Man Two? It's just, it's just a bloated mess. Like, yeah, that th- there was potential there. There's a couple of decent things, but it just tried to do too much. And and yeah, on top of everything else, like it took a tragic character-defining moment for Peter Parker that I've wanted to see portrayed in live action for years: the death of Gwen Stacy, and just. The scene itself isn't bad on its own merit, but but it's just not earned, and it, it it's just like I should be devastated, but I feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, and like just to touch upon that scene, the only thing that really irked me is the fact that the web comes out as a little hand to try and reach out, and I'm just like, symbolism! Damn it! This is an animation. This is. If this was an animated film, I could almost just about forgive that because that's that sort of like, you know, beyond the realm of realism where you can literally just sort of cheat that kind of thing to get a little bit more emotional investment. But I'm just like, webs don't work like that, even if they're fictional ones. That that's not made, how like, the force works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, no, man, that's, there's a lot of people that love that for some reason, that tiny touch. And I'm like, no, 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 thank you. 
<laughs> We've ranted about the Amazing Spider-Man two enough. Let's move on to your number eight. Uh, so my number eight is a film that I actually quite like, but I recognize okay. it for the flawed mess that it is, and it is a uh, Spider-Man three. Interesting. Okay. So, now, so, so <laughs> okay. So you so you actively like eight out of nine Spider-Man films. Would that be a, fa- a fair thing to say? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I would say so. I believe so, at least. Um, I this... actively like seven out of nine Spider-Man films, for the record. Ah, fair, fair. Now, <laughs> the the annoying thing is, I'd say one of the other things <clears throat> on this list, I'd say I'm more indifferent to, but I right. think trying to, like, you know, just figure out where this ranks in my mind, I'm just like, okay, I'm trying to take into account, like, uh, what's it, the storytelling, the filmmaking involved in, like, you know, certain simplicities as opposed to like some of the more complicated things that come with some of these other like uh films and spider-man 3 is a film that i have flip-flopped about ever since i saw the film in 2007 i was stupidly excited for this film because i was Uh, like you and me both man i was like okay we finally get to see the symbiote in live action and while the this new version of the black suit wasn't the standard black and white which i'd hoped for it was a unique interpretation that i was down that they 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 changed the 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 legs on the spider a little bit so there were some variations in there yeah and and that first teaser poster by the way oh um, just 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 image of him crouching on the side of the church which obviously was in the final movie it's yeah and just from the time that the first trailer came out and they had that shot of peter just like you know sitting there on that church top in the rain with the black suit on and the music was hitting i'm like this is glorious this is everything i ever wanted like give this to me i was (laughs) inserted into my veins baby so um, I, even, to my veins. <laughs> I even had a uh, Spider-Man 3 poster on my wall for like the longest time, man, because I was just um, just dumb obsessed. That movie, I, that movie had some good ass posters. I mean, obviously, that first teaser poster is the best, but all the variations on it with, of like him with the, you know, the classic suit, but the symbiote creeping up his arm. There are a bunch of variations on that. And it's just yeah, the cool ones where he's just like has the reflective, uh, you know, was it buildings where it's just the mirrors of him, like, you know, with the uh, classic suit on one side, but the black suit on the other. I'm like, yeah, these are some lovely designs. Posters, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I watched the film and I said, OK, I thought this film was good, but not as good as um, was it Spider-Man 2. But then after I saw it the second time, I'm like, I'm not sure if I like this as much. And then mm. on subsequent viewings over the years after, I'm like, no, I hate this movie. But then after a little bit of time, when I got into like my early 20s and started rewatching the uh, the Raimi films, like sort of on and off, I was like, mm. you know what? There's a there's a really odd, campy, silly thing about this film that I can't get out of my head. Oh, God, yeah. Like, like for all its flaws, it is very sincere. Um, and for as much as Sony tried their best to ruin that movie, Sam Raimi, like he he got as much of his vision to shine through as he possibly could, and I respect the shit out of that. <laughs> no, definitely. I think was it my highlights? I say so. My positives of the film would be that I like the continuation of the uh, Peter and Harry story from the previous film. That was obviously one of the strongest aspects through this trilogy for me. 
And um, I was always looking forward to seeing what Harry would do once he found that secret chamber at the end of Spider-Man 2. I'm like, this guy's going to have to go into goblin mode, man. Like, he knows what the truth is about Peter. See how this whole thing plays out. And their initial fight sequence, I thought was fantastic because this is the first first time we'd seen, like, Peter, like, you know, in a combat situation where he doesn't have his suit on. Mm -hmm. And the CGI for the time, I thought, was pretty solid as well. Um not brilliant by today's standards. Oh, no, for, yeah. But, but for 07, respectable. <laughs> Although that fight ended with the, one of the most dumb ways was <laughs> taken out. Just with the whole clothesline with the web thing. And it had Bonk. the little sound effect <laughs> and everything. Oh. <laughs> oh god um, I literally think of sound effect literally makes me think of like the go to horny jail bonk yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh god but yeah to be fair is... Harry's a proper sleaze in that movie he probably does need to go to horny jail oh yeah man like um that Which, line rather playing for James Franco really but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, when he um, when Peter goes to confront like you know is it Harry at his house and then he talks about when he kisses <laughs> <laughs> that line kills me every time and just the way that fight ended as well before we found out what happened to harry's face i was like peter that's fucking cold dude just took the fucking woman through it in his face i'm like that is pretty that's pretty clean i appreciate that honestly like as as much as you know certain plot points were dumb and contrived um the amnesia thing for example it's it's like the 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 conflict through line between harry and peter spanning that trilogy fucking great like like you know the the best friends to enemies to reconciling thing like you know while by no means perfect it is so sincere and so kind of you know dramatic in well maybe melodramatic but it's I don't know. I dig it. I, I, I dig it a lot. <clears throat> yeah, and I'd say I like the first sort of uh, confrontation between uh, Spider-Man and Sandman. That was pretty cool. Um, Sandman uh, reforming himself after he got into the whole Collider thing. That scene is pitch Unbelievable. Unbelievable. One and of the best scenes in the series. I'm not crazy big on Christopher Young's like film score just because I found it didn't have the same oomph that Elfman's one did. But that music in that scene, perfect. Mm. Wonderfully done. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I would also say that I really like uh, uh-huh. Stacy in this film. But I think really? that's more to do with the <laughs> fact that it's Bryce Dallas Howard, and I think she looks okay. absolutely fabulous in this movie. This was well, my that, first film well, introduction to her, and I'm just like, who is this woman? Well, that who is true, I? but I... <laughs> steady on. Um, <laughs> I, I do find it quite funny, though, like how, obviously, Kirsten Dunst was cast as MJ in the, in the Raimi trilogy, nat- a natural blonde playing a redhead. And then they brought Bryce Dallas Howard, a natural redhead, in to play the blonde Gwen Stacy. It's... Yeah, there was a few conversations in forums <laughs> I was in at the time of talking about that. And, and, and even like, and oh. even and even Elizabeth Banks as Betty, she's she's natural, she's naturally blonde, right? I think. Yeah, yeah. And she plays a brunette in the film, <laughs> so go figure. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, I think beyond that, most of the other things I have. Oh, actually, no, one other thing. Mm. Emo Peter is hella funny. He is oh God, yeah. glorious. Like that dance sequence has been one of my all-time favorite things. Me and my friend. Wait, uh, wait, which one? The strutting down the streets one, or the or, or the jazz bar one? Actually, you know what? We're gonna go with both. Like um, that. Now initial- dig on this. <laughs> 
one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life was when um, Peter goes to, uh, was it Dance with Gwen? But he takes off his jacket and there's wind that blows her hair. And I'm like, where the hell did that come from? That is incredible. I have never been more (laughs) just surprised. It just goes to show, like, 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 and you know, just Sam Raimi just injecting some of that camp he he loves so much. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a honestly we will probably touch on this later, but I'm a big Sam Raimi fan. Evil Dead trilogy is like up there. As, sorry, as <laughs> I just hit my fan. Um, yeah, Evil Dead trilogy is up there with like some of my favorite kind of horror comedy ever. Like especially the second one. Just, uh, but he he knows how to balance like kind of drama and heart and camp better than a lot of other filmmakers I know. I've I know. Not I say no like I know them personally. I don't. <laughs> but, but, wish I knew Sam Raimi, that'd be great. Um, but but, uh, but yeah, and you know people, I mean for a while cuz I remember like a, there was a solid few years where people were just shitting on the Raimi trilogy fairly consistently. All three of them, weirdly, like like it kind of started with Spider-Man 3 and extended to kind of hate for that trilogy as a whole, which, you know, grinds my gears a little to this day, but I won't get into that. But but one of the big points of contention with a lot of people was Emo Peter. And it's like, yes, it's complete cringe, but it's that's the point. If, if a complete, like, socially awkward dork like Peter Parker suddenly had no inhibitions and was just an aggressive douche this is exactly how he would act this is exactly what he would think was cool you know uh, and and so you know tr- strutting down the, the streets winking at pretty ladies and just waltzing with <laughs> with another woman in front of his ex in a jazz bar just to make a point that is exactly the kind of shit he would do and it, it and just like yeah it, it's it's cringy and it's embarrassing but that is by design and obviously it does come to a dramatic head at the end of that sequence which leads to the aforementioned church scene but yeah i have no problems with emo peter honestly <laughs> yeah so now i'm just going to talk about everything i didn't like and uh <clears throat> firstly we're going to start with sandman because I think my boy Thomas Hayden Church, I like him, but I don't feel like his character was written very well. I like the idea of him being an escaped convict who just wants to try and, like, you know, was it, uh, get money for his daughter to make her better. But, like, uh, I think because I know of the comic book incarnation, I wish there was something a little bit more, I don't know, there was a little bit more charisma and oomph to his character. Mm-hmm. Um and his whole um, introduction in this film and the retconning of the first Spider-Man film never sit, sit, uh, never sit right with me, and I still don't like it okay. because I feel like it robs a certain level of agency and simplicity from the first film. So I'm just like, no, no, don't do that. No, I don't like it. I, I still don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's a bad. That's choice. fair enough. <laughs> Um, and then we also have like, well, actually it's just Venom actually. Everything to do with Eddie Brock and Venom in this film is 
ghastly. I don't like it, dude. Now, I understand when it comes to adaptations, you can't have people like, you know, verbatim take them from the comics into live action. But I yeah, felt not, like not everything works exactly from page to screen. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, OK, so Topher Grace, I'm like, hey, this guy's too smarmy for me. Uh, I, <laughs> I was watching this guy and he's just like, he's just some douche. I don't think he could become like some sort of rival for Peter. And I just don't care for this dude as a character. When he got his camera smashed, I'm like, well, good. Screw you. And then he somehow gets like the black suit and then becomes venom in inverted commas. Just shoehorned into the. Never referred to as such in the movie, as I recall. (laughs) No, he just like spends the movie trying to crap on Peter eventually gets found out for photoshopping and like you know is it messing around and then he just happens to be at the right place at the right time to finally become venom but good lord that was this that thing i don't like the way it looked the fact that they had to do so many of those uh retracting headshots so we could see grace's face in the big like uh muscular suit I can't buy him as a, uh, you know, intimidating villainous presence. He just mm-hmm. didn't have that in him. But it also just didn't help that with this conflict between Peter and Harry, you also have Sandman and how much significance he brings to the plot. And then you just throw in Venom about, like, you know, was it just a little ways before the film ends? And I'm like, there is not enough time for you to, like, you know, build this up. This guy is just thrown in here for no good reason. I'm like, ah. It's, fu- it's funny you say that. Uh, Sam Raimi has gone on record saying he never wanted to do Venom. Like oh, yeah, he, he, I've read. Like, yeah. like he's, you know, he's he's far, uh, as far as I'm aware, he's fine with the black suit plotline as a plotline for Peter's character, but Venom as a character he's never been a massive fan of. And it's like, and to be honest, it shows, because, like, if he was going to include Venom... You know, presumably he would have saved him for Spider-Man 4 and just have Spider-Man 3 focus on Sandman and New Goblin. Maybe end it on a cliffhanger with Peter getting rid of the symbiote. That would have been fine. But then again, he apparently had other plans for Spider-Man 4 potentially involving Vulture and Mysterio. So I don't know. But either way, like a combination of Sony studio meddling and rabid fanboys... um, crapping themselves when they saw that first teaser poster myself included admittedly um, <laughs> you know would have immediately thought like would have gone holy shit that means venom ah and sony were like haha you hear this you must have venom in the movie and raimi's like all right so you know i don't blame raimi for that i guess is what no because no. <laughs> like clearly there was an effort to try and salvage what this film was but you could hear from a lot of studio interviews with like avi arad and a few of the other guys that this is like oh yeah this is what we think is gonna work and the fans are really gonna like it i'm just like will we though <laughs> hmm. Hmm. we we may have some uh, differing thoughts on spider-man 3 um i think I, I, I think I am a little softer on it than you, although I don't necessarily subscribe to the reevaluation of it as an underappreciated masterwork or anything. Like it's still very yeah. flawed, I will attest. But we'll, we'll 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 get to it. We'll get to a few counter arguments in due time. <laughs> Fair enough. It's just again, this is a film that I flipped off, flip flopped on a lot over the years, where I, I appreciate it for what it is now, 
and I definitely see the merits in there, but there's still certain things about it with its uh, story and just its convolutedness that still just irk me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Understandable. Okay. So what is your number eight, sir? So my number eight, um, uh, sorry, Andrew Garfield fans, it's uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one from 2012. Ooh, okay. <laughs> oh, man, sorry, I just had to make a noise, but yeah, no, okay. Please elaborate, sir, and um, I will come in. Oh. To be fair, I don't blame Andrew Garfield for these movies by Absolutely not. Like He's he, a fantastic actor. He, he's a good-ass actor, and he did the best job he could with the material he had. With that said, he was horribly miscast as high school Peter Parker. Like, I I think the Amazing Spider-Man duology would have worked much better if it had try, actively tried to distance itself from the Raimi films quite significantly. Like, focus on a much older and more confident Peter who's been Spider-Man a while. Maybe he's balancing that with a master's degree and maybe he's already in a relationship with Gwen when the first movie starts and trying to maintain a long-term relationship on top of everything else, you know, Uh, and that way. And I think if you did want to bring in the sinister six stuff and whatever else, not saying you should, but if you did, then it would have felt a lot less cluttered if you didn't also have the origin story and everything else to set up too. So that's my opinion because, you know, I think, yeah, because he, you know, as as it is, it's just like you know, we're just supposed to buy this attractive twenty nine year old as a as a downtrodden nerdy high schooler, no, <laughs> um, but but um, that like I said, that's not on Andrew Garfield by any by any means. That's on just yeah, an odd casting choice for the kind of Spider Man they wanted to do, which evidently was just redoing the high school origin again and i think it tell you what revisiting them recently was kind of a fascinating exercise because they almost have opposite problems to me the two amazing spider-man movies the second one as we discussed throws in you know everything in the kitchen sink and and just becomes a convoluted overstuffed bloated mess whereas i think the first amazing spider-man has the opposite problem i think it played it too safe it it, yeah, it, yeah. it it just like because if you remember back when the first couple of trailers came out it was marketing this film as like the untold story of spider-man's oh, origin God, i remember and, that uh, everywhere uh, and supposedly you know the plot point of hunting for the truth about his parents was gonna be you know a, a significant through line and there was a there was a moment which you know didn't didn't make the final cut where Risa fans as Kirk Connors says if you want the truth Peter come and get it or whatever it and it's like okay I don't hate that as a concept you know like a conspiracy behind Peter's parents disappearing or dying or whatever and he's hunting for that but why not put that in the first movie and like like because as it was, it was just kind of a tired retread of the origin story. And, you know, the few new elements it introduced just served to make Peter, for my money, less likable. Like, 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 like he steals an intern's badge and kind of laughs to himself as the intern's getting dragged out of the way, uh, 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 dragged out by security. 
And then with that stolen badge, he goes into the room full of radioactive spiders like a dumbass and gets bitten as opposed to it just happening by chance, like in most other interpretations. And he's just really obnoxious to his aunt and uncle and the shopkeeper and whatever. And and like, okay, I, I get that Peter's selfishness and you know, poor decisions and learning to take responsibility for those things is a very formative thing in him becoming Spider-Man, you know, le- learning to grow up from that. But it was just a little too much for me. And and I also, you know, him becoming Spider-Man just sort of, it, it, it kind of fed into some issues I have with the film from an editing perspective, uh, more structurally than anyth- than anything else. Like, the plot point of hunting for Uncle Ben's killer is just dropped with no explanation at all. Yeah, and it, and it, one it, of the it, worst things about that uh, movie that uh, hurts me. And you should see how many people online defend that or come up with some sort of, like, a reason for why that happens. But it's just, like, it's the same sort of issue I have with some of the more, like, uh, recent, like, uh, Star Wars films where they drop certain things and it's just like, oh, no, there's supplementary material that will be able to fill you out on that or fans will come up with theories to help fill that out. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have an obligation as a filmmaker to tell a complete story. If you're going to drop something, right. you better yeah. let us know why. And, and I mean, I mean, unless the ambiguity is the point, but, like, they're, they're saying Tarkovsky at Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but it's... Uh... But yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, if they wanted to do a thing where Peter never actually found Uncle Ben's killer, okay, fine. That could have been a, a you know, a, a darker, you know, more more tragic take on that plot point and, you know, kind of fed into a, a more, you know, a more cynical Peter in, in, in many ways. But, but, it, but, you know, you needed to have a scene of him reconciling with that and maybe saying like, okay, I'm not going to get justice for what happened to Uncle Ben, but I can make sure other people don't have to go through what I went through. And that's why I'm going to do Spider-Man things now, which I think is what they were trying to do with the scene on the bridge where he, where the lizard knocks the cars over the side and he saves the kid, which, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a fine scene. I, I like it, but it's just... If, if that's supposed to be the conclusion to that arc, it didn't work. And as far as him becoming Spider-Man, it's just like, you know, he kind of builds his costume, like, over time. Basically because he's trying to avoid getting recognized for just wandering out into New York and beating people up. <laughs> so, so, and it's just like, oh, he's Spider-Man now because he didn't want to face legal consequences for his actions. That's cool. <laughs> so... Yeah, I have, I I have a lot of issues with 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 that, and it it, it sounds it and it sounds like I'm getting angry about this than I am about Amazing Spider-Man Two, and maybe maybe I am, but I think, I don't know, maybe with Amazing Spider-Man Two, I'm just resigned to the fact that that film is going to be a mess, whatever happened. But with the first one, like. I think it's like kind of weirdly kind of like how you were saying about Amazing Spider-Man 2. I feel like there was potential there to do something really fresh and interesting, but they just kind of retreaded the same tired beats story-wise. The few new elements they added yeah, kind of soured me to the main character. And yeah, it just, I don't hate it by any means. It's just kind of a very dour and uninspired movie to me. 
overall. Um, you know, it's competently directed. You know, no, no, no beef on Mark Webb necessarily, but you know, I, I feel like most of the issues with those movies are either Delta Sony or just a very muddled post-production process. And I will say, I do love James Horner's score for the film. It, it, it's just like, like, you know, we'll probably talk about scores a bit more in due time because that's a topic we both have a lot of investment in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, you know, as you said to me um, earlier, you know, um, you know, you love a good theme and a good light motif and stuff. And his main theme for Spider-Man that kind of plays over the end credits and everything. Love that shit. But, like there's some good, some good score in there. And and like like I said, there are threads of good ideas. Like the setup for Kurt Connors becoming the lizard and becoming the big bad is pretty solid. You know, he he worked with Richard Parker. He's you know trying to do his own positive things for the world of science, but he also really wants his own arm back. And it's. And so it's, it did all right. It set him up as pretty sympathetic. But once he turns into the lizard, it's just, okay, he's just an evil blob of CGI now. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's not as messy as Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I think it is more competent. And and uh, that's why I think maybe I'm, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't find it as just much of an unfocused mess. But it's just, I've never been a big fan. And that, that, like I said, there are elements of good stuff, but they never reach their full potential for me. Okay, okay. Fair, fair. Um, just to add to that, I would say, if I was to say any positives about the film, I do like the way it looks. The okay. This was the first probably Spider-Man film that I felt took place in as close to the modern world as we could get at the time. Right, because right. the Raimi films, even though they um, you know, took place in New York, there was still something about the tone of those films that felt like um, it was just in a heightened version of reality, where it's just like, oh, yeah. this is <clears throat> close, but not quite real life. And mm -hmm. this one, with its choice of lighting, especially during the uh, night scenes, I was just like, okay, I can definitely see some of the more modern filmmaking um, influences that they were taking, especially because in the uh, interviews, they were saying they were taking notes from the Christopher Nolan films in terms of, like, you know, bringing, like, you know, was it realism and grounding. Why apply that Spider -Man. to Spider-Man, though? <laughs> oh, because, you know, everybody saw The Dark Knight and it was just like, that's what we need to do. You know what it was like. We lived through those dark ages of everything having to be, like, grounded, dark, and, like, you know, was it realistic and uh, all that kind of palaver. Yeah, they even and mum had a gritty reboot for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I like the way that looks. Even though the suit design overall is questionable i kind of like its weird sleek look i just wish the lenses weren't golden um i'm not a big fan but i do respect them for trying something different yeah because <laughs> i remember was it when the first image came out of that i was just like what the hell is that and it took me a long time of looking at that thing i'm not gonna lie nearly daily especially when i was at mm. it's like <laughs> do i like this or not yes no i'm not sure but um I also like their attempt to try and add some weight to the swinging mechanics because obviously right. 
Um, Spider-Man web swinging is literally one of my favorite things about the character. And I feel like mm. the Raimi films did that so well. So the oh, fact yeah. that they at least attempted to try something not only more practical, but try to change things up with the camera angles, those first person shots that they use were some pretty cool ass stuff. I just wish that they had used yeah, that a little bit more in the uh, sequel because besides, I think, maybe a couple shots, you never really got to see much going on from Spider-Man's POV. So mm. the fact that that was implemented, that was cool. I okay, um, yeah. also quite like uh, Andrew Garfield's interpretation of the character, at least when it comes to the scientific side of him, because... That's fair, actually, yeah, he is... With, yeah. Okay. With the other two Spider-Men, like... There were definitely moments of them being smart, but I would probably say Peter in this one, he definitely felt like he was showing more of how smart he was rather than it just being said or like, you know, implied. The, yeah, I mean, um, you've got the whole one montage of him building his web shooters and everything, which is which is quite neat. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that is why I think those movies would have worked better if like they'd by design been about an older and more confident Peter who was doing a master's degree like 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 knew all the scientific stuff and was balancing that with his spider-man duties yeah yeah no definitely the um and the one other thing i'd say i'd like um to a degree is like uh the chemistry between like andrew garfield and emma stone is pretty damn good probably helps that they were dating in real life at the time no definitely yeah yeah <laughs> But, like, while I wasn't as invested in their relationship as some of the uh, other Amazing Spider-Man fans were, I do feel like, you know, was that they had a natural, like, uh, chemistry that really shone through and, like, helped their performances. But then I guess the only other things I would say about this that I didn't like, firstly, the lizard design is ghastly. I don't like the look oh, of his shit. face at all. <laughs> and I know a lot of people said, oh, yeah, you know, if you go back to his earlier comic book appearances, he didn't have the snap, blah, 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 blah. But, like, there are much better ways you could have done that face than making him look like a more updated, like, you know, uh, what do you call this thing? Goomba from the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> the, amount, the amount of uh, comparisons people made to the Super Mario Brothers movie when that uh, first images of the lizard showed up, I'm like, it's apt, you know? I, I, that or Green Voldemort. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But, and on top of that, you know, sometimes there's a reason things in comic book lore change, you know? Like, early Batman comics, he carried a gun and, and just straight up, like, shot criminals in the face sometimes, whereas most Batman stories now, his no-killing rule is sort of a core thing in his character and what separates him from his enemies. So, yeah. you know, sometimes comic book lore changes for a reason. I mean, with I mean, with the, the look of the lizard, it's a bit more shallow and it, like he just looks cooler with a long snout. But it's yeah. same same ideas there. <laughs> and I was kind of annoyed that they took like uh, Kurt Connor's family out of the equation because. Right. Well, weren't there some deleted scenes with his kid? Yeah, because they had filmed them actually being in the film, but they were cut out. And I'm just like. That's part the of the character that makes him so tragic and his situation a lot more dangerous because the spectacular any... Spider-Man cartoon did it better. I know, I know. Like, um, we could go on about the spectacular Spider-Man maybe on a future podcast, like you know, impending. But um, we'll <laughs> we'll probably get around to that. But yeah, no, I was annoyed Can we that... that in our rankings make it an even ten. <laughs> Man, like. There's no competition for anybody else on this list. It's, it's, it's evil. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I didn't like the fact that he didn't have his family. The whole yeah. thing with... Um, what's the name of that Indian actor who was in this film? Is it Ifran Khan? Is that his name? Uh, yeah, I think so. Didn't he pass away recently? 
I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think he's like a you know respected Bollywood actor. If, if I've got if I'm thinking of the right person. Yeah, but he had a whole um, aspect in this film to play, and when he what got attacked by the lizard or like uh, the lizard came to his car. He had a whole part to play in this film, and he, right, he, yeah. he sort of just disappeared at one point as well. And I'm like, what happened to this guy? You, you Again, gonna... this is like I was saying, like so much stuff was cut that would have made it a much more interesting film. But it seems that all of the leftover plot threads just got pushed to the sequel, which was already a blo- going to be yeah. a bloated mess. So, so the, as you said, the whole untold <sighs> story was not untold. It was literally just a reinterpretation <laughs> of what we got before. Uncle Ben's, like you know, was it not? Um, uh, great power, great responsibility speech. Like that new, this new version sucked. <laughs> um, it, it was just like tiptoeing around the phrase. And, and it's just like, just, just say the line, say the line, Bart. But you know, it's, it's like, you know, if you're watching a James Bond film, you want him to say bond, James Bond. If you're watching, um, I don't know. You watch the first two Home Alone movies. We had Christmas recently. You know, you 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 want keep the change, you filthy animal, and Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Yeah. You're watching a Spider-Man movie. You want to hear with great power comes great responsibility. It, it's just it's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, and I think was it. Um, I will definitely agree with you about the whole douchey Peter thing. That he he was a little too snarky for me. Not only yeah. as an individual, but also in the Spider-Man suit. Because the thing is, I understand Spider-Man. He he quips and he likes yeah. to like you know as it confuse and like you know annoy his enemies. But I felt we like liked this... some, we like some good quipping. Again, that's something the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon was great at. <laughs> Can you say halitosis? And I'm like, good lord, <laughs> this guy, man, so nice. But um, I was. I'm watching this and I'm like, this Peter is just a little too sassy for me. He he yeah. comes across as a little bit mean and like Spider-Man, he he can be like you know uh, mean, but he's more in a juvenile kind of way. He's never yeah. he he never does it in a malicious kind of way, unless he's unless, unless he's in blood. unless he's in the symbiote suit. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but um, one of the things that really irked me about the ending of the film was when you know he may have promised to Gwen's dad. Like, I'm going to stay away from her. But it's like, but yeah, breaking promises is the best kind of stuff. I'm like, what a prick. You promised a dying man to stay away from his daughter. At least just, could you not just be a nice guy about that? But he's just so sneaky about, hey, 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 I'm going to still stay with her anyway. I'm like, God damn it. Yep. The conclusion to his arc was Peter not learning a goddamn thing. Uh, he's like, yeah, well, we're going to make you learn something by taking away your girlfriend in the next movie. See how you deal with that. And he's just like, oh, God. I, I raise you a web hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, dear. Oh, we need yeah. to move on, I think. Yeah, we, yeah. Let's talk about some good Spider-Man movies. <laughs> okay, so... Um, your number it, seven. Well, actually, the funny thing is that was my number seven, so ah, we can well, move on okay, from me. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. Do you have well, anything else to add? No, no, no. We we've taught that nausea. <laughs> okay, so my num my number eight was your number seven. So I guess my number seven, um, this might be controversial. Uh, Spider Man Homecoming. Ooh, ooh. Okay. I, yes. I will say this is the point where my list changes from Spider Man films I dislike to Spider Man films I like. Okay. I do not dislike Spider Man Homecoming. However, well, well okay, it's. <sighs> I think it's, I mean, I have my wider issues with sort of the way the MCU portrays Spider-Man, which I'll get to in a little bit. Mm. Um, but I think with Homecoming, 
as a first solo outing for this, Peter, it's a very fun and watchable movie. But it's one of those ones that, like, sort of falls apart the more you think about it for me. Right. Like, just from a, I mean, a, okay, I will say, like, if the rest of the movie was as good as the villain, it would be, like, top three or four for me easily, because Michael Keaton is the vulture, to name the first thing I like about Spider-Man Homecoming. I loved the vulture. He's <laughs> glorious. I mean, admittedly, yeah, he does sort of fall into the template of kind of Disney MCU villains of, like, you know, socialist values and wanting justice for the the downtrodden working class man. It's just a shame he loves murder so much. Um, but, <laughs> but um, and, you know, I'll touch on that a little bit in a minute. But he was, you know, he had a sympathetic setup, um, strong performance from Michael Keaton driving it. Uh, speaking of driving, by the way, the drive to the prom, the car scene, one of the best scenes in the MCU, like regardless of the rest of the movie around it, which I do have a f- quite a few issues with that scene. Ah, oh, so good. So good. The tension and, is so high. <laughs> and, and it's, and yeah, like no, you know, no CGI battles or whatever. I mean, I know there's a lot of that in comic book movies, but, and that, you know, you can't really have many comic book movies without that, but like no, cgi world ending stakes in that scene no grand set pieces just a confined claustrophobic bit of character-based tension and it's brilliant and i love his line where he says like i'll kill you i'll kill you dead i'm like jesus christ like there's a certain way that you can Mm. tell someone you're gonna kill somebody but like Mm. when it comes from him and Mm. with the conviction in his voice and the look in his eyes i'm just like as a teenager, if someone said that to me right there and then, I'd probably mm. die just from the shock of that statement alone. It also helps that they actually managed to make Vulture look legit intimidating in terms of his design, because, you know, the Vulture, as per the comics and video games, whatever, he usually looks pretty goofy. Like, like yeah, he, he's, he's an old man in a green leotard with wings, whatever. But it's... In this, it's like, no, they make it like a proper fight suit. And he's got, like, mech wings and shit. And he's using, like, recycled alien tech for his weapons. Love that. So good. Yeah, so it's good. probably the most intimidating <laughs> the Vulture's ever looked, really. Yeah. And, like I said, I do, I, do, I do like his incentive for doing what he's doing. You know, Tony Stark screwed him over and a lot of other people. And... I, th- I think ultimately it does become more about him than anything else. He sort of does the Walter White thing where he says he's doing it for his family, but really by the end it's more about him and his own pride. Um, but but yeah, like the the twist uh, the twist reveal of him being Liz's dad. But fair play, like mouth hanging open this in the cinema. I wasn't expecting that, so well played. <laughs> yeah, very nice. And just I love Peter's whole face during that entire time, just looking at him. And when they had to take the picture, <laughs> and it's just like that really intense, awkward look on Tom mm. Holland's face. I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah, I mean, Tom Holland's performances as Peter have been pretty consistently good. I would say even his sort of, you know, what's essentially a glorified cameo by his introduction in Civil War. Um, it, I, do, I do think his performances got progressively better. Yeah. 
as the films went on and actually i actually do think the mcu spider-man trilogy is one of those rare trilogies where each installment is better than the last for me um but basically most of the things i love about love or like about homecoming are to do with the villain and the vulture and all the stuff revolving around him with that said that also kind of feeds into my issues with the movie okay because like peter i mean okay like we all know spider-man is your friendly neighborhood spider-man he's the working class superhero uh he's he's helping out the everyman whatever and there there are little elements of that in, in this movie like there's the fun montage of him just kind of swing around queens trying to help out and and all that kind of thing but it doesn't quite get his arc right and i think and there are a few things to do with the core of spider-man's character that where i'm kind of like yeah i'm not i'm not a big fan of that i mean for most of the movie he's you know using a high-tech suit gifted him by a billionaire tech mogul for for one thing and Mm. you know okay and this was obviously still because, you know, the MCU was in full swing. We hadn't had Endgame yet, and they just wanted Robert Downey Jr.'s fingerprints all over everything. And, and like, okay, Peter gets the suit taken away from him and digs out the homemade suit for the climax to prove himself, and that's all, that's all gravy. And, you know, turns down the Iron Spider suit and says, I think I'll stick to being your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But then he arrives back at his apartment and Starks gifted him the high-tech suit back anyway. And by the time we hit Infinity War, he's got the Iron Spider suit too. And it's like, okay, so Peter's character arc in that movie meant nothing now. He he just, he got the billionaire high-tech suits regardless. So, like, he's, I don't know. It just sort of derailed it a bit for me. And combining that with the sort of, you know, like I said, more overtly socialist villain kind of made it one of the more weirdly, like, overtly pro-capitalist movies the MCU has put out, which, 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 as I say, I feel kind of doesn't really jive with the core of Spider-Man's character particularly well. So, it, like I said, it's a very fun and watchable movie, and the villain definitely bumps it up a notch, but it's one of those ones that, if I think about it too much a lot of issues flag up but it's still a strong it's still a solid seven out of ten i still i still have a good time with it you know action's good um villain's wonderful um and you know tom holland does bring his own flavor to spider-man which 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 i like he's you know the best high school peter we've had but by by a pretty large margin and even like little inflictions like he puts on a slightly rough rougher new york accent when he's in the suit to try and disguise his identity and like that's a nice touch so yeah it's a fun watchable movie just has has issues thematically and character wise for me fair fair um (laughs) remind me again what number are we at right now (laughs) so that was number seven so so that so yeah if to recap like we both had amazing spider-man 2 as our number nine then your number eight was spider-man 3 mine was the amazing spider-man then seven for you was the Amazing Spider-Man. Seven for me was Spider-Man: Homecoming. So, number six for you? Yeah, number six. So this is where my controversy comes in okay. because just by a smidge, I had to change my order for this. 
Mine is Far From Home at number ah, six. Interesting. Now, I think it's literally just down to just some very minute things. I okay. really enjoy Far From Home, and in a lot of ways, it definitely excels at doing certain things way better than Homecoming. But right. I think the only thing I would hold against it, which again is not the film's fault just because it was more of a choice to change location, but I've always liked Spider-Man when his stories are based in America, in New York, in like, you know... Was in it Queens, East? preferably, yeah. Yeah, so... One of my favorite things about Spider-Man is that I think a lot of people forget, especially in this day and age, that he's a very street level hero. He deals oh, yeah. with a lot of like basic stuff from like, you know, basic crooks and criminals to your random supervillains. And while he has dealt with like a lot of crazy uh, world ending or chaotic stuff with like villains who have all sorts of powers, he's still a very like, you know, is it uh, boots on the ground kind of dude. Yeah, and, friendly um, neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> I think, was it with the trip to um abroad and like uh seeing them go on their little like uh european trip around which was euro trip yes yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i did kind of miss like you know the smaller scale of the previous films and while the overt nature of like you know was it tony Stark's present isn't isn't nearly as bad as it is in homecoming the Mm. fact that we're still coming off of endgame is still just like okay you remember like you know that tony stark guy that just like he's right there and like you know peter's being reminded of him he's using this tech over here and i'm just Mm. like oh i i I still we're we're progressing in the right direction making peter more of his own man but Mm. at the same time we're still like you know within that tony stark like tech area you know, we haven't left that, like, you know, storyline alone just yet. And, you know, he's hanging around with Happy and they're making him play ACDC. And I'm just like, uh, get away from it, please. But um, all that being said, Far From Home, I had such a great time with that movie. I have a lot of fun with Far From Home. Um the changing setting is really fun because it allows us to see Spider-Man in a different environment. And um, especially during that first sequence when like uh, Mysterio's like water-based villain comes out and we get to see Peter try to handle that situation outside of the suit. I'm a big fan of seeing Peter outside of the suit trying to do things as Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Mysterio's introduction is glorious, man. I'm just like, this is cool. And man, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, Good lord, he's just so nice. Like, I knew he was gonna be good man. in the film, but like, um, the way in which he portrays the character, he's just so great. Especially during his initial introduction, he really sells that sort of charismatic, overtly heroic kind of person, just trying to help out, be really cool. But man, that guy has such a crafty, devious side oh, that yeah. only shows. I mean, up- I mean Jake Gyllenhaal legitimately might be my favorite actor uh, if if not he's certainly in like my top three to five um so when i heard that he was playing mysterio a villain that i had wanted to see in live action for a long ass time yeah my excitement was just and <laughs> and yeah he kind of i think definitely kept the core of the character but became sort of its own thing too which i'll touch on later but i'll, le- I'll leave it in your court for now but yeah <laughs> but I, I really do <laughs> yeah no definitely i i totally agree he's he's a stellar like he really stands out in the film and um i appreciated the action sequences i felt like they definitely had a lot more for spider to do in this one mm-hmm. um 
and especially towards the final fight sequence in London, the way in which that was all choreographed, especially with the music playing as well. This is some of my favorite like action-based uh, Michael Giacchino music. I listen to. No, no, like, you love uh, your boy Michael Giacchino. <laughs> he's god tier. And it, I'm tired it, of people not paying attention to it. He's excellent. I, 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 I did, I did, I did enjoy uh, when I listened to your spoiler-free review of No Way Home uh, recently, shouting out Michael Giacchino at the end. It's like, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. You, you got to respect <laughs> his work, and he's scoring the Batman soon too. Ah! Don't let me down. <laughs> I, I swear. But um, yeah, no, I like the action in this. It gave Spider-Man more to do. I like the relationship he has with uh, MJ in this because MJ oh, was they're adorable. Just... They're, 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 they're so cute. Because <laughs> I like how in the first film, she was just this outsider, just sort of sitting on the fringe, observing mm -hmm. people and just calling them out on their shit. But then in this film, they naturally guide her into the uh, Peter's inner circle, but they have this really nice back and forth. They're like, yeah, and they're, they're cute as shit. Yeah. And, and MJ as a character, I, I, I legit, I legit, I legit like her. I wasn't a hundred percent sold on her initially, but I think again, maybe it, it was similar to what you were saying about, um, you know, Andrew Garfield as, as Peter, at least in the first amazing Spider-Man. I think maybe I found her a little too snarky yeah, to begin yeah. with, but as sort of as the films progressed, I think it became very clear that while yes, the kind of dry, sarcastic stuff is very much her sense of humor. A lot of that is, you know, the kind of walls she's put up, and you know, as she actually builds more of a connection with Peter, she softens and you know, able to be a bit more genuine with each other, and that it's really lovely. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're. They're just so nice. <laughs> By the time that they're together at the end of that first uh, second movie, I'm like, oh, this is this is perfect. I'm very happy for you two. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think the humor in the film is excellent with like some really well-timed gags. I love the night monkey. He's <laughs> great. Um, when Peter tries to like, you know, accidentally sends the uh, the drone to try and take out uh, Brad and like uh, he has mm -hmm. to faff about with the bus to try and take that whole thing down. Um, when he punches Flash, I'm like, good lord, that was really cool. Hmm. I like that. I appreciate that as well. But um, yeah, there's a lot of really well-timed humor in there, especially the stuff that went on with uh, Sam Jackson as like, you know, Nick Fury. Um, Bitch, please, <laughs> you've been to space. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, and while this isn't so much a connection to Spider-Man, I do appreciate the fact that when uh Mysterio gets the uh glasses he obviously reveals the amount of like uh people that used to hang around with uh iron man as part of his little crew but he got the dude who got yelled at by obadiah stain and i'm like oh my god this is one of my favorite Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps <laughs> oh that guy and i'm like oh my gosh that's such a deep cut reference and i know that you know it, uh, Depend, because uh, I know there's a few people that like obviously don't keep up to date with the MCU from its outset. But like for me, that's been one of my favorite moments in I guess any superhero film. So the fact that this guy was brought back for this, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. I was I yeah. was stupidly giddy about that. <laughs> and and like you know, say what you will about the MCU and how it's you know oversaturated the market, homogenized blockbuster movies, whatever. There's a lot of criticisms you can make on that front, but their attention to detail and bringing back little beats and little characters when they do it right 
top-notch long-form storytelling, honestly. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I just... I had a good time with the movie. I think, yeah, it's just the expansion of, like, the locations and some of the other stuff that they do. It's just contrary to the key things that I like about Spider-Man, and that's why I think Fair I just enough. put it just a tiny smidge behind, um, was it Homecoming? Okay, okay. We may disagree, but I, I, mm. I figure you'd already guessed that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what, in theory, should be fun about uh, fat fandom debates, um, but m mostly in online platforms um, manifests in toxicity. Uh, we, 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 we'll, we'll keep it a little friendlier here, I think. <laughs> We've done all right so far. We've done all right. <laughs> Unless uh, one of us really throws the other a curveball, but still some time. Uh, I think we've I think we've got the controversial ones out of the way. P well, potentially saying that. <laughs> um, are you done with Far From Home for now? Yes. That's your number six. Okay, so my number six is Spider Man Three. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. After, yeah. after this, I think the controversy will be out of the way. Um, now, okay. Again, I'm biased because I just really love and respect Sam Raimi as a filmmaker, mm. but I think. I did kind of debate for a little bit whether I would rank this above Homecoming or vice versa. They're sort of on a similar level in different ways. For me, they're both kind of set like mid to low seven out of ten movies. Um, but I think I'm going to paraphrase. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call to mind one of my favorite YouTubers. She's actually just quit YouTube, which is quite sad. But um, oh, is that Lindsay Ellis by any chance? It is. Yeah. Oh but, gosh. Yeah. So accidentally a bit topical there but um way back when when she did her video essay on the joel schumacher phantom of the opera adaptation i think i think she was saying like how chris columbus was was one of the early considerations for the director of that film but joel schumacher was brought in instead hmm. and at one point she says chris columbus sort of in terms of their you know vibes as filmmakers she says chris columbus is boring but competent Joel Schumacher is neither, <laughs> and which that you know lives rent free in my brain. But to par to paraphrase that, to me, Spider-Man: Homecoming is boring but competent. No, did I say Spider-Man: Homecoming? Yes. Yeah. So Spider-Man: Homecoming is boring but competent. Spider-Man Three is neither. <laughs> like, comparatively speaking, yes, Spider-Man. Three is objectively a more flawed film, I will attest. It's by a lot of measures a hot mess, and there are things that irk me quite a bit, but honestly, the stuff that I like, I really love, and, and it, it bumps it up just a little bit higher for me. And I think overall, I would rather watch kind of a compelling mess than something that's competent but a little blander, you know? Yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah. Like, Amazing Spider-Man 2 not included here. That's just a, blo a bloated, unsatisfying mess. That's a different kettle of fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man 3 has a lot more heart. And like I said, although Sony, although that movie was sort of the beginning of, of the end as far as Sony just relentlessly fucking with the Spider-Man property, you can see like Sam Raimi was trying so hard to let his vision for the film and, and his heart and investment in that story shine through. And like I said earlier, I think one of the strongest through lines in his trilogy is 
um, <clears throat> like everything between Peter and Harry. And, you know, like I said, I don't love the amnesia plot diversion. I think that's that's a bit weak. You know, maybe Harry could have slipped into a coma in, instead and we, I just could have put more time to focus on, you know, the Sandman and the stuff with the symbiote suit. But I, I don't know. I'll let it slide because I think the conclusion with Harry, while, while it's maybe a little sloppily executed, I think him ultimately forgiving Peter and sacrificing himself to save him is beautiful I, like i re- i really really love the conclusion to their story and i really love their story as it is throughout that trilogy you know warts and all and like yeah i think spider-man 3 there's it's got a lot else going for it but like i said earlier i have no problem with emo peter he's great <laughs> or, bully, oh, or bully or bully mcguire if we prefer um oh, but it's uh, but he's like i said if a awkward nerdy dork like peter parker suddenly had all confidence all swagger all aggression no inhibitions this is exactly how he would act he's still a fucking dork but now now he's an uninhibited dork and it's glorious um but but, and it's interesting like okay i will attest the way venom's handled isn't great and it's it is very evident that he was just shoehorned in because the studio forced Sam Raimi to do so. But honestly, like I don't, you know, like Venom himself, yeah, um, like like he's sort of in terms of his general vibe. Once Eddie Brock has the symbiote attached to him, it's it feels more like sort of diet carnage than it does venom like he, he's he's more skinny and wiry and has kind of a shrill shriek and stuff so but anyway that's that's another issue but eddie brock himself mm. sort of prior to all that i actually don't mind like like i th- I think the kind of more smarmy and slimy version of him is actually quite a quite a fun foil to uh peter especially in terms of them kind of competing in their work as the bugle uh, you know peter's obviously more sincere and honorable and, and it's just like if a staff job's going i've been bringing you freelance pictures for a while i think i'm entitled to it uh, and and whereas eddie's just trying to suck up to jameson and yeah and just just chat shit the entire time and it it takes peter bonding with the symbiote and becoming even more confrontational and aggressive and douchey to actually stand up to Eddie Brock's level of douchiness and, and, and get him kicked out. And the symbiote kind of exacerbates, it just kind of snowballs the plot the rest of the way from there. And I, I quite dig that. Yeah, but, no, I, I understand that. Yeah. And, and you know what? Yeah, like Christopher Young's score, well, yes, not as strong as the Danny Elfman score from those first two in the trilogy. Um, I love some of the light motifs in there, like the Sandman theme, especially in him, you know, wake, waking up after the particle accelerator incident and becoming, actually becoming the Sandman and rebuilding himself for the first time. Beautiful piece. Uh, I do really like the kind of more sinister motif for, for the black suit. You know, the that whole thing that pops up a lot. Again, yeah, yeah. Sinister, but it kind of has that campy flavor as well, which is sort of perfect for a Sam Raimi movie. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. Like it's 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 messy, and there's a lot that probably could have been done better. But 
and no, warts and all, I, I still have a good time with it. And it's it it, it, it it can make quite a fun drinking game as well, I will say. So you take that for what it's worth. <laughs> oh, no, I have no doubt. I haven't watched that film with um, any friends who would be interested in partaking in such like uh, chaos. But yeah, join me in my fair, flatmate sometime. <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I will definitely take you up on that offer because I would love just to, you know, just show how much that film, like, you know, is, is influenced my life <laughs> in we, we, the we best and worst ways. We actually, um, I, I, I saw No Way Home with my flatmate um, a couple of days after it came out and on our way back on the tube, um, we drafted up a drinking game for the whole Raimi trilogy. I'll take you through that in a minute if you like. Oh, that's great, Jesus. <laughs> Don't do all three films in one setting, you'll die. But <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no chance. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think we've both set our piece on Spider-Man 3 at this point. Yes. It, it, it's messy, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little softer on it than you are. Um, so should we move on to our number fives? Yeah, okay. So my number five was uh, Homecoming, actually. Um, Alrighty. <laughs> again, a tricky thing for me to balance out. But even though uh, when I saw Spider-Man Homecoming the first time, I saw it in IMAX with my friends at a midnight screening, and we all came out of it saying, well, it was good, right? Yeah, it's good. Um, mm. And obviously, you That's want to That's sort of how I feel about it. Like, yeah, it's good. The, yeah, and the thing is, I was. I don't think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I'm just like the thing is, yeah, I was hoping to be a little bit more enthused about it, but I think mm -hmm. the core cool things that I liked are some of the yeah. elements that I've always wanted to see from Spider-Man in live action that just hadn't been portrayed yet. Sure, like first, sure. sorry, what are you saying? No, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I definitely feel what you're saying about, like, I wish my reaction to it had been a bit more enthused, because I, I, do, I do think, again, compared with Spider-Man 3, Homecoming just feels like a very vanilla movie. Yeah. Where, whereas Spider-Man 3 is more of like a chaotic hot fudge sundae or something. But <laughs> Yeah, and like, the thing is, like, there's definitely flavor there. And like, you know, Sam Raimi, he has his feel and like you know elements thrown all over that movie so you can tell what you're watching and there's at least like you know some flair and charisma to it and john watts i don't want to like you know besmirch him as a uh you know director by any means but no, 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 no. he doesn't seem to have any sort of specific uh particular like you know is it elements to his directing style no, uh, that no, make his that makes his films like distinctive from anybody else mm -hmm. um but yeah i think What's did a good job of at least um, creating a film where Spider-Man gets to be just a teenager dealing with like, you know, those high school issues that some of us have dealt with before. And oh, yes. I like the um, the idea of like seeing Peter in these situations where he could be Spider-Man and show himself off to his friends. But he doesn't because he always has like a uh, responsibility somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like at Liz's party, he's like, oh, yeah, potentially. But no, he goes off to like take care of like um shocker and like you know was it donald glover like you know was it over here mm. um though that, 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 that does that is one of that does lead to one of my favorite ned moments ned is a fucking treasure by the way oh like, he's I, I, glorious I, I love that man well the best friend that you boy, everybody guess, wants but, but when he, when he rocks up to the party or him and peter ned's got his got his little hat on yeah and uh, <laughs> and, and peter Peter goes like, oh, I guess I'm just going to be myself. And Ned, Ned just goes, Peter, nobody wants that. <laughs> oh, just, do we? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I like the other part where um, Ned's trying to call like uh, Peter later on. It's like, um, <laughs> Peter, the hat's not working. Where are you? And, I was just like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, poor Ned. 
I'd hate to do that to a friend of mine, man. I could never leave someone behind like that. That would just be, that would kill me like uh, for a while. But yeah, no, I- Has he had Spider-Man duties to, to attend of to? Course, what of can course. You do? What can you do? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, then there's the, obviously the other moment where they are at the hotel and they're all just chilling in the pool. And <laughs> Peter just there, the way that music lingers on him and he's just watching that scene is just like, I could do this. I really want to do this, but I have a greater responsibility to take care of over there. So unfortunately, I have to put my social life on hold again. Sure, yeah. No, I get it's, it's a nice little character beat, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it's just, um, I just, I guess at the time, especially, I was just looking for at least some form of like live action, spectacular Spider-Man antics. And it was as close as I could get at the time with it. Just with, I can uh, see that, to be fair. That's a fair one. No, with like okay. high school Peter getting into like little dramas, doing like uh, you know just little simple things, and the montage of him going around the the city, just uh, you know helping out people, causing chaos, um, and set a blitzkrieg bop, which which, which I love. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful, and um, what, more, what more, I... more movies need montages set to the Ramones. Shout out to Spider Man Homecoming and School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> good times good times good shout actually um but yeah just one of my all-time favorite moments so stupid and simple but perfect it's like a you're the spider guy from youtube it's spider man <laughs> okay do a flip <laughs> yeah i'm like oh my god i have never been more delighted at something so simple in my life i watched that the first time I'm like this is great <laughs> um and then there's like uh the other bit where um Spider-Man attempts to like uh, stitch the uh, boat back together, and there's that mm. one dude where he's just like, "All right, Spider-Man, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> then the boat falls apart, but then when Iron Man kicks on, oh yeah, Iron Man, I'm like, "You flip-flopping prick, I love it." <laughs> yeah. uh, it's brilliant. It's not not quite the same level as uh, the extras from from Raimi's Spider-Man Two, which we'll get to in a minute. Oh but... gosh, mate! Like, whoa, he stole that girl's pizzas. <laughs> that guy is god tier. And he needs to be appreciated until we are all dead in the ground. But um, yeah, <laughs> and, and beyond. I, I, oh. I, I hope after I hope after the Earth has exploded and collapsed into the sun or whatever, like just little these little snippets of sound that get carried across the universe, <laughs> and, and one of them just hits hits the you know. A, dip, a nebula in an in an adjoining galaxy, and just yeah, he stole that guy's pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> spinning past. Oh, glorious! <laughs> yes, but um, as I said before, I just like the uh, the more intimate nature of this because it's literally just taking place within the city, and I love the vulture as a villain, um, just because it's different to the comics, but different in a way where I felt like I, I could take this villain seriously. He has oh, a new look. Yeah. I like his little posse, even though I wish they had done a little bit more with the uh, with the guys who were messing around as Shocker at the time, because yeah. um, also Tinkerer, like like he's just he's just sort of there as tech support, really. It's just like I would, yeah. I would have liked him to maybe not get involved in the action necessarily, but like I don't know if he was operating at, at, at some drones or something in the clerics, that would have been fun. No, <laughs> definitely, because um, I did prefer like uh, Bokeem Woodbine as like uh, the Shocker to yeah, um, agreed, agreed. Logan Marshall Green. Um, I was or, or, or Diet Tom Hardy, as I call him. Yeah, yeah. It is weird. Like, when I saw the film the first time, I was not expecting him to be obliterated like that. I'm just like, good Lord, he just got fried. 
Mm. And then he's just like, oh, now you're the shock. And I'm like, well, shit, okay. <laughs> Cold <Dude>. bastard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I like that. And while, obviously, it's a... Um, a reference to one of the greatest panels of Spider-Man history when Spider-Man gets squashed in the rubble and he literally picks himself up out of there. It was just a perfect combination of, uh, you know, a uh, nice reference to the comics, but the, uh, to show how strong this version of Spidey is, because we Mm. hadn't had a proper demonstration of how strong he was. Mm. And to see him pull himself out of that kind of situation with, uh, you know, the Giacchino school in the background as well. I'm like, yeah, this is all working for me right now. I I, I do also tell you what I really love about that scene too, is prior to that, that he's literally like crying and screaming like a child, like help get me out of here. When, when, he think, when he thinks he's trapped and it's and you again it's just like shit yeah peter's a 15 year old kid <laughs> yeah, yeah pre- 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 just... presumably by no way home he's like close to 17 or 18 but still he yeah he, he is a he's a teenager he's a child and he's thrown into this and yeah it just sort of hammers that home which i quite like <laughs> yeah no it's really nice it's really nice i think yeah the as much as I love like Tony Stark, his appearance in this film definitely takes away from like uh, Spider-Man's urgency yeah. and yeah. the fact that he has this suit with all these extra gadgets and doodads. I've always wished that this was like more of a collaborative effort, or at least mm. uh, Tony had given him like the tools to like you know create his own suit, and then like Peter would just like work on it himself. So that was yeah. the one thing that that's the actually, characters mm, that's. We'll get to yeah. that, but that, that's one thing, that's one of the reasons Far From Home has the edge over Homecoming for me, which I'll get to shortly. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, it was just a couple things like that that sort of prevented the film from being more. And yeah. For, it's, and, you know, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Says Iron Man. <laughs> It's it's a bit it's a bit fucking rich, Tony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I did like that, and just the uh, the little introductions that we had to like the uh, villains again, like what they did with the spectacular Spider-Man. You had a bunch of these guys who weren't in their fully established villain mode just yet. Yeah, but you yeah. had them spread around. So you had the Tinkerer, you had the Shocker, you had Matt Gargan before he'd eventually potentially put on that uh, Scorpion suit. So I'm like, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was wondering if he was gonna show up in No Way Home and form sort of the proper Sinister Six. But I'm right, like, right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's still there's still time. Tom Holland's contracted for more Spider-Man movies, so I'm not ruling it out. <clears throat> Here's open. Here's open. But yeah, I think that's my general thoughts on Homecoming. You see, it's just a nice, like you know, back to basics, smaller adventure sure. with a nice, uh, you know, high school feel to it. And mm-hmm. everybody in this film looked like they're in high school and not adults pretending. Especially by the time you got to the Amazing Spirit films, I'm like, you guys need to cast lower or you need to change yes. the setting, please. Yes, like I said, Andrew Garfield in the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. Well, you know, he's a great actor and he's a talented guy. I'm not disputing that, but I'm not buying this hot 29-year-old as a downtrodden 17-year-old. Sorry, no. sorry <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now it is time for your number five, I believe. I think so. Yes, 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 yes. So that, okay, so as you may have guessed, uh, my number five is Far From Home. Yes, yes, please elaborate, sir. So, yeah, I guess I, just, I guess I don't have loads more to add from what you said earlier, because you kind of summarised a lot of my positives pretty well, too. Yeah, but I yeah think, I'm helpful. 
<laughs> it's true. You're a good host. Um, but <laughs> I, um, but now, like I said, I do think the MCU Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy is the rare trilogy where each entry is better than the last one. And for me, that is pretty much inseparably tied to how I write Peter's character arc in each respective movie. Like, I think in Homecoming, it's pretty good up to the end when he gets the billionaire tech mogul suit back anyway, which sort of derails it and it falls flat for me, ultimately. No Way Home we'll get to, I'm sure. <laughs> Far From Home is like, it, it's not No Way Home levels, but it's like, okay, this this is solid. I, I, I really dig this. And while, you know, maybe, yes, there is still a little too much hangover from avengers endgame i do really like that a big part of peter's arc in far from home is basically learning to stop living in iron man's shadow and grow into his own identity as a superhero become more self-actualized and like he literally the scene towards the end when he sits down with happy in the plane happy goes you're not iron man you're never going to be iron man it's like that's an important moment for peter he needs to know that and become his own hero and you know okay he still uses uses the stark tech to make his new suit but it's his suit it's his design he's building it to specifications that he knows will work for him in this battle and so that feels like a more kind of self-defining heroic moment for me and and yeah like like i said there's just so i think peter's arc ends up being a little stronger as a result and of course this is sort of this coincides with him building up the confidence to connect with MJ on 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 a greater level, and you know, of course, by the end of the movie, they're an item, which is lovely. And yeah, like Peter's arc, I just find it's not perfect, but it's really, I think it's really strong and a step up from Homecoming for me. And of course, I got to mention Jay Jim Hall as Mysterio. I think as a character, I do actually rate Vulture a little higher, um, but it's like, yeah, come on. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, like I said, I'd wanted to see Mysterio in a Spider-Man movie in live action for ages. And, you know, considering how kind of visually homogenous uh, or the MCU can be sometimes, yeah, like just, yeah, throwing in these trippy kaleidoscopic sometimes kind of nightmarish visuals to do with Mysterio's powers of illusion. Love that shit. And as far as his motivation, like I think, I think I alluded to this before we started recording, actually, he's essentially the MCU syndrome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, with like, you know, the syndrome from the Incredibles for any of our listeners who didn't catch that. The Incredibles is one of my favorite movies probably my favorite animated film of all time to be honest and syndrome is just one of the greatest cinematic villains ever i'll say it I, but, but he's what he's one of those ones who like he should be sympathetic given his origin story but he's just such a slimy obnoxious bastard he can't he kind of by the end you're just like yeah you just kind of love to hate him and and, and i find this version of mysterio is a little bit like that too he, he's you know Again, he was wronged by Tony Stark, so his motivation for doing what he's doing is not unwarranted, and he is very charismatic, but the charisma and the friendliness is all a facade, and ultimately he's kind of presenting himself as the hero while doing 
you know, just just horrible shit behind the scenes and, and just perpetuating destruction to suit his own ends. I, I just, yeah, he's just a diabolical smarmy bastard and I love him. See, see, I like smarmy and snarky characters in Spider-Man movies when they're villains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't understand that. I think the one other thing I'd like to highlight is that um, I really like some of the smaller moments of humor in like uh, Homecoming and Far From Home. Like one mm. thing I forgot to mention in the Homecoming films is like when they are like uh, when Peter's going into school during that part where they're playing Spoon in the background. You have that moment with uh, Betty Brant and like her other co-hosts on the TV. And it's just like, oh, they're talking about having a homecoming date. And it's just like, yeah. uh, she says that she has one. And he's just like, okay. And it's just the way the camera just lingers on his face and zooms in. I'm like, oh. the beautiful awkwardness is so wonderful. And, and I honestly, I, I, I love those new newsreel segments in that they are kind of, by design, very sloppily put together. Like the visual effects aren't particularly good. And far from home, and like the overlays are a bit awkward and far from oh, home yeah. uh, far from home opens with like a montage of fallen heroes set to Whitney Houston I'm just like this is this is so corny I love it <laughs> it was wonderfully done and the fact that the pictures are in like you know was it different like uh formats and like at different yeah, resolutions yeah. as well it's ghastly I'm like I remember those it's, days it's, in it's, college. It's, it's so perfectly shit. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like how when they're on their trip as well, you have these little moments between either the students or the teachers where they just have these great lines of dialogue or like just little physical guys that are just fantastic. I, I rate the teachers, by the way, like like, like the, the main duo who, who are kind of bickering all the time. I think a lot of people find them irritating. I think they're funny. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially... especially um, Blanky on the character names now, but um, uh, Martin Starr, uh, uh, like of course he, of course he and John Watts knew each other in Freaks and Geeks back in the day. Yeah, and Bill was always one of my favorite characters in Freaks and Geeks, so I like that Martin Starr still getting work and as these kind of awkward, gangly comedic characters. Yeah, he's he's, he's just a, a a a funny, likable dude, and I I, I like him. I, I love his awkwardness, and his his life just looks like a joke because there's that whole thing in Homecoming where he's talking about we can't lose another student again, and I'm just like, what? I'm like, what is he, what is he yeah. talking about? And then I that forgot bit, about that. That's that just like that's Loki dark as shit, and I love it. And then in the uh, in Far From Home, when he's trying to take that picture of himself, and he positions the camera on that thing, and he's just like, "That's gonna fall. Don't do it, mate." And then he tries to grab it, and it just lets, and it falls in the water. I'm like, genuine heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, oh, and oh, and when they're at the Washington Monument, I like his awkward interaction with MJ when she's not going up because she's like, "No, it was built by slaves." And he's like, yeah, "It was, was it?" And he, he, he and he kind of glances at one of the security guards who's a, who's a black guy and kind of just goes and just sort of looks at him yeah. like mm, a little bit. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this, the humor in these movies, especially between the characters, is great. And I love the whole little arc that Ned had with Betty when those guys had their little thing. And <laughs> Peter, that was a boy who went on that plane. I'm, now I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, fact I can't remember they, the exact line, but that's the gist. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fact that, like, you know, they just ended their relationship. They just like, oh yeah, it's just like you know, a short-term thing. I'm like, <laughs> that is incredible. I love Ned, that. Line. Ned is a treasure, and he must be protected. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only other things I wanted to contribute. Yeah. Beautiful. I can. I can. I can 
I'm definitely feeling the vibe a little more now. Like I'm smiling a lot more now than I was when we started our list. It helps that we're talking about movies we like a lot more. Now. Oh gosh, heck yeah. And it's only going to get crazier from here. <laughs> oh, beautiful. All right. And I think that is a good place for us to hit pause on the ranking episode so far. Originally, when we recorded this, I had hoped to have a tighter runtime. But as we started talking about some of these films, I realized that, yeah, this is definitely going to need to be a part one and part two kind of situation. So as you heard, we did nine to five. And then in the next part, you will be hearing four to one. And yeah, me and Ross, we just had a blast chatting about this. I do wish I had articulated a few points a little better, maybe taken some notes and I do wish I had ranked Spider-Man 3 just one smidge higher because even though that film frustrates me, at the same time, there is a lot of good in there and I probably would take that over the Amazing Spider-Man 1. But hey, that was how I was feeling at the time and I did say that some of the entries on the list do tend to flip-flop. But anyway, now I want to hear from you guys. How do you feel about our ranking so far? Drop your thoughts in the comment section below or hit me up on Twitter where I'm at Hypersonic55 or at FilmFocus55. And uh, yeah come back pretty soon where we will be doing part two of our rankings where things get a lot more fun a lot more upbeat <laughs> but until the next time ladies and gentlemen this is the hypersonic 55 signing out peace